If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel of I Explore Science, and I'm coming at you with a solo episode this week. So this is the time, well, maybe not quite, but we're getting close to the time of year where I think a lot of teachers, I know I always did, start thinking ahead, right? You start thinking to next year and maybe changes you want to make to your units um, or how you might want to change your curriculum. I know a lot of schools are looking at curriculum. And with that in mind, I want to come back to a topic that I talked about on the I Explore Science blog last year and um, just revisit this idea. And that is the idea of bundling your standards. So if you're not super familiar with the term bundling, let's talk about that, right? So first of all, bundling is just this idea of grouping your standards together. And the reason for this is because while education, while we have typically taught in our science classes, one idea in isolation from the next, you know, you teach cells and then you teach body systems and then you go into, I don't know, photosynthesis or so on and so forth. We know that the way our brain works, the way learning happens it doesn't always happen in these isolated little boxes. And when we create these boxes, we are actually making it more difficult for our students to, first of all, retain information because it's not connected or rooted in anything else. It's not this interweb of knowledge that, you know, our brain doesn't store things in boxes. It stores things in these really complex webs and, and intertwining, um, I don't know, webs, yeah. So we're making it really difficult for students to create those webs in their brain and allow that information to be stored long term. And we're also not really presenting an accurate, you know, depiction of of really the world or of science. You know, a quick reflection, like I always remembered learning, you know, about dolphins, like dolphins and marine science and animals. That was all just one thing. And then I remember I got to college and I learned that there were people who were chemists, but they were studying the chemistry of the ocean and how it affected marine life. And for some reason, that was kind of mind boggling to me that, you know, a marine biologist might also be a chemist. I didn't know that those things, inter, you know, 
overlapped or that there were careers in the in that tied those, you know, ideas together. Or that it was important to study both of those things together, right? Everything was just very much taught in isolation. So we are really doing our students a disservice when we continue doing that. And what we want to move to instead, and the NGSS really wanted this to happen, or the writers of the NGSS want this to happen, is this bundling approach. So instead of teaching a unit all on cells, you might bundle cells with photosynthesis, or you might bundle cells with respiration, or you might bundle cells with you know body systems. Um, instead of teaching a unit just on just on space and and the solar system, you might tie the Earth, Sun, Moon, um, like model that model of the solar system. You might tie that to climate. You know, you might tie how the earth um, revolving around the sun impacts our climate. And so you can see that's like a very much, you don't see that happen in a typical class. You don't see climate being a part of your space unit, but obviously (laughs) where we are in space is kind of a, a, a big factor in our climate, right? So there's that natural connection. So the writers of the NGSS wanted us to really look at those standards and look at the content ideas that go with those standards. And we can, you know, it helps to think about those in topic form because then you don't have to say the whole disciplinary core idea with its three sentences. Um, You know, so you can say respiration or you can say, you know, space um, and climate, even though we know there's more to it, right? But we want to put those ideas together in a unit. And that's what bundling is. So it's just about taking those ideas, those disciplinary core ideas, putting them together, and really teaching your students how they are all connected, how they impact each other, and focusing on truly integrating it. Now, the NGSS, if you if you go to the NGSS website, there are two approaches to bundling the standards that are presented. There's a topic model and there's a phenomenon model. And the topic model is designed to group your standards. I mean, it's obvious, like by topic, right? So for schools and districts that are looking to just quickly implement, you know, some degree of NGSS instruction without maybe totally overhauling their curriculum, this could be a better approach. Or if you are totally new to these standards and you're feeling a little bit nervous about totally reorganizing your curriculum, especially if you're doing it solo, this is a a nice entryway. Um, It also works well for those disciplinary-based courses versus those that are, you know, truly integrating earth and space and um, life sciences together. And by integrating, I don't mean a quarter of earth, a quarter of space, a quarter of life, and then I don't know what you do fourth quarter, but rather um, truly having like earth and space or earth and uh, life in, I I missed physical science. You know what I mean. Truly having earth and physical science taught in the same unit, right? Truly integrated. So topic works well for disciplinary core, although, or a disciplinary focus course, you know, all life science, but I wouldn't necessarily say you have to use topic model just because you are a disciplinary based course. Um, But anyway, so the topic model, basically, you kind of just look at what your topics are. Like, I usually teach genetics in this course. And then you look at your standards. And typically, there are more than one stand. There's more than one standard that you can tie to that topic. Or you're like, I usually teach ecosystems right now. So you look at it and you decide to tie in um, human impacts and you decide to tie in 
photosynthesis and respiration because you're like, I want to show how it's part of the food chain and you try tie in like the movement of matter and energy and you tie in, I don't know, resource availability or something. So you're putting that together in your ecosystems unit. There's like three to five standards in your bundle that your ecosystems unit is going to address. Now, if you have three to five standards in a bundle, keep in mind that ecosystems unit is now a lot longer than perhaps it once was. And that's okay because you are hitting a number of standards all within that unit. Now, that's one approach, right? I think that there are some, you know, it's the easier one. Um, It's a little bit more on the face value, you know. It doesn't require as big of a change. But I think the problem here is that we think that, okay, I rearrange them into the topics. I'm bundling them together. But, and now I'm done. And now I can just teach it how I always taught it. I just reorganized or, or moved my course around. When in reality, we still need to be truly connecting them around a phenomenon. And that's why I prefer the phenomenon model because you're really supposed to be using phenomena in a topic model organization for your course and a phenomena model organization for your course. And with a topic model, there's always pieces of your phenomena that are not going to be answered because they don't directly tie to that topic. Where with a phenomenon model, you can truly look at the phenomena and think of what ideas, whether they're from physical science, whether they're from earth science, whether they're from life science, what ideas do students truly need to know to explain this phenomenon? And then those are the standards that you pull in. So students are truly getting a deep understanding of the phenomenon under study. Rather than with a topic model, they are for sure getting an understanding of that phenomena, but they're only necessarily understanding those parts that relate to your topics. And it makes it sometimes harder because if you're trying to incorporate that student-owned or student-driven approach to learning, you might get questions about the phenomena that are good questions, but they don't tie to your topics. So you can't really, so you, so you might feel like you can't address them. With a phenomenon model, you look at the phenomenon and you think of all of the p- potential questions that students might ask. And those are the standards you pull in, right? And if you don't like those questions, then you pick a different phenomenon. <laughs> now with the phenomenon model, um, this is also the recommended model. If you look at the NGSS, um, the website, you know, Next Generation Science website, and what the writers really intended. So in the phenomenon model, your standards are basically bundled to explain just a particular phenomenon. So for example, like you might have students observe that wildlife habitat ranges are changing, and a phenomenon like that could easily tie together life science standards about resource availability and interactions in ecosystems with some earth and space science standards that cover like climate and weather or climate change. And so throughout the unit, your students would be working to understand why are there so many different environments? Why do some animals live in the desert and others live in the rainforest? And why are these environments changing or what, why are these habitat, why are these habitat ranges changing? And, you know, the response to that is because the habitats are changing potentially as a result of climate change. So, you know, the, you're tying in all of these disparate ideas and the way you approach planning from that perspective is you, you know, you kind of look at these are the general standards I have in my course, get an idea for that. But then you kind of choose a phenomenon that 
might relate to some of them. And then from there, you are thinking, okay, if I present my students with this, what questions are they going to have? What questions are they going to ask? And what are they going to need to know to truly understand that? And then you go back to your standards and you decide, okay, which standards are going to be relevant here then? Which disciplinary core ideas can I pull in? Which disciplinary core ideas should we focus on? So it's very much a back and forth, give and take, but you are really building your whole unit, your instructional sequence from that phenomena and from the questions that your students are going to ask. So it is just a wonderful way to really bring in that student-owned science, that student agency with three-dimensional instruction, with relevant phenomenon-based learning. It just like bundles it all up. Um, And it, it changes how we think about planning. So I personally love the phenomenon model. I think that's the way we should definitely go. It's the way, um, yeah, I just, if you have to choose one, I'm going to say choose that one. Um, But it is a little bit trickier. It pushes you further as a As a teacher, as a guide of learning, it pushes you to be a bit more responsive to your students as opposed to, you know, running through your checklist of topics. And those are all things that are a little bit more challenging, but they're also, they make you a better teacher and they are better for your students. So personally, I think it's better in the long run. Um, Yeah, so that's all I got for you today. I want to you know, just encourage you to to start thinking about how you have organized your your curriculum, organized your class, um, your classroom, your students' experience, and think about how your learning sequence, your curriculum structure, all of that can either be supporting like a teacher-driven classroom or a student-driven classroom. And I think that when we think about how we are bundling our standards, that really comes into play because we can kind of gear ourselves up to being more responsive to students through a phenomenon uh, model of, of learning, or we can kind of stay a little bit more traditional and go the topic model. Again, there's not, I mean, I think phenomenon model is way better, but I also think a topic model is a natural progression in your journey toward truly phenomenon-based learning. So I totally went the topic model when I was starting with the NGSS. My, If you look at my earth science curriculum right now, it is pretty much the topic model. Um, It was the traditional topics we taught in earth science, and I simply looked at which standards connected to those topics and bundled them. Now, your goal, again, is still incorporating and building your units with phenomena in it, but they are not truly, you know, those units are not, we're not organized around a phenomena in the same way that I would do that today. So that was something I created way back in like 2014 or 2015. Um, so I don't, if you're, if you're in the topic model phase, like don't feel bad. Again, it's always, it's just this journey. It's this growth. It takes time to figure it all out. And as long as you're moving forward, as long as you are doing your best, um, you are, taking those opportunities to try something new, grow, that's all That's all you can do. And eventually you will get there. And you are probably way farther than when you started. So just keep that in mind and celebrate those wins too. I don't want you to feel bad if you are choosing to go with topic. Um, but I just want to also encourage you, if you are feeling like you are ready to kind of stretch and go a little bit further, consider building your curriculum truly with ph- phenomena as your foundation. If this is something that um, I also want to just mention, if this is something that you are 
are excited to do, but you are maybe looking for support in doing, I want to invite you to participate in the next round of the Be Curious Community Cohorts. So the cohorts were created this past winter. We are just wrapping up our first session. And the goal was really to guide teachers through this process of embracing a student-owned science vision and putting it into practice in your classroom while doing so in like a really supported environment. So we have, you know, short workshops that are designed to really push your thinking, push your reflection, um, get you thinking about planning and and prep prepping for our like collaboration meetings. And then in our community meetings, which happen once a week, um, and this next section will be um, this next session will be for twelve weeks. In those community meetings, we can really uh, dive into your thoughts about that, things you're stumbling with or struggling with, um, and also just collaborating. Like, this is what I'm thinking for my next unit. This is the phenomena I'm I'm wondering about, and I'm wondering what questions I might my, my my students might ask. I'm wondering how I can bring in more exploration to this activity. I'm wondering how to you know, segue into my next um, area of learning or my next topic? How can I get my students to the next point? How can I also assess what they've learned? How do I know that this is working? Um, and also just, hey, I need to vent this week or I, I want to celebrate this win this week. My students were so excited. I, you know, I loved hearing literally like last week, one of our teachers were just was like, I just want to say my students were so excited when I presented this phenomena. They had so many good questions and now I'm super pumped for this, this upcoming unit. And I just want everybody to know I'm feeling awesome. And it was just a really nice experience for all of us listening. And it was obviously an awesome experience for her to have, you know, somebody who like gets how exciting that is. So the Be Curious Community Cohorts, um, they're open for enrollment now. It is capped at six teachers. Um, this is geared toward middle school teachers. If you're not sure if you maybe or middle level teachers, I would say, if you're not really sure if you fit into that category, um, please let me know. Reach out. We can talk about it. But it's definitely geared toward that middle level grade band. And um, yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to, to get to know the next group of teachers. If you have questions, please reach out. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. If you want to know how you can get your district on board for funding your program, I have some resources for that as well. Um, but I just wanted to invite you because I'm really excited to, we're wrapping up our current session and I'm starting to think ahead toward the next one and I would love to have you be a part of it. If you have any questions about bundling, please reach out, connect with me on Instagram, you can message me on Facebook, you can uh, submit a question on the iExplore Science website and um, we will be back with another episode of Teaching Science in 3D soon. All right, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. 
Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.